Welcome to Future of Journalism, a podcast from the Reuters Institute for the Study of Journalism. I'm Federica Cherubini, Director of Leadership Development. Joining us today is Nick Newman, Senior Research Associate at the Reuters Institute. Nick is the author of our recent report, Journalism, Media and Technology Trends and Predictions 2023. It's based on a survey of over 300 leaders and editors in 53 countries. This yearly report looks at how newsrooms expect to achieve financial stability amid global economic uncertainty, the content formats and social media platforms where they will focus their resources, how they plan to cover important topics like climate change, and how they intend to address audience trends like news avoidance. Thank you, Nick, for joining us today. It's a pleasure. Good to be with you, Federica. Before we get into the specifics of what newsrooms are planning to do this year, what did the survey reveal about the general mood of news leaders when it comes to the health of um, journalism in 2023 and, and their main concerns? Yeah, so we, we ask them every year, you know, how confident they are about, about their prospects for the year ahead. And this year, less than half say they're confident, which compares with about sort of three quarters last year. So I think you can say that um, there is a mood of uncertainty and concern about particularly their business prospects uh, over the next 12 months. And I think that's obviously because of, you know, what's happened in Ukraine, the cost of living crisis, the squeeze on household spending and also on advertiser spending. So revenues down, costs are up in terms of inflation. It's really that sort of combination that is causing a lot of concern, particularly with media companies that are very dependent on advertising or on print, you know, print costs alone have gone up by, in some cases, they've doubled. Um, so that's a you know major concern over the next year for, for those that still have significant revenues from print. Indeed, top of the agenda for most newsrooms seems to be how they intend to remain financially viable. What are the main ways that they're planning to raise revenue and what is changing compared to previous years? Well, I think there's two things. One is the cutting of costs. So, I mean, we've seen a lot of layoffs and and all, e- even the ones that are confident are looking at, at reducing their cost base. But on the revenue side, um, I think it's what it's doing really is accelerating that move towards paid content, towards subscription, um, because it provides, you know, ongoing recurring revenue. You don't have to start every year with zero. Um, so uh, in, in our survey, 80% said that they were... Um, going to focus on subscription or membership that was the main um focus and then just behind that display advertising so advertising obviously remains incredibly important and increasingly they go together you know it's you know you you want recurring subscription revenue and then you want um premium advertising alongside it but then in addition to that you know the successful publishers are really trying to build diversification so three or four different revenue streams and they include things like events things like um funding from platforms you know many many of uh, the biggest news companies in the world now get direct payments now from the likes of facebook and google so yeah com- combination of, of things and trying to build that resilience into the business model specifically when we look at subscription revenues um two-thirds of the respondents in the survey expect to grow um this uh, subscription revenues this year is this ground for optimism uh, they're very optimistic about it. I, I'm I'm much more sceptical, I have to say, because of the squeeze on household spending. We've already seen what's happened to television subscriptions, you know, over the top Netflix subscriptions down. 
And uh, a lot of people, of course, looking at their entire household budget, what they spend on media and other things and trying to trying to make cuts. Um, so my suspicion is that they're going to at best, you know, stay level, uh, maybe for a few companies going up. But um, but publishers are, are more bullish about it. And many of this, many of them tell us that, you know, at times of, of economic difficulty, information becomes more important. Quality information becomes more important. And they're confident, but but definitely the focus is going to be on retaining those subscribers, not not so much on acquiring new ones. You know, this is going to be a, a year of attrition, a year when you need to really pull out the value. And, and what we're going to see, I think, is a lot of price cutting to keep the numbers up, um, you know, short term price cutting to keep those people engaged for another year. Uh, and then we're also seeing this sort of growth of bundling, which I think is really interesting. So. Uh, you know, you have New York Times, for example, combining news and uh, and passions like the athletic for sport and get, and Wordle for games and and sort of bundling it together into yeah. more value because then it's harder to leave those subscription packages. We see the same in Scandinavia where they're bundling podcasts and uh, and and news uh, and and other um, other other media products as well. So more creativity to to bundle things together. Um, when we look at social media platforms, two stories really have dominated the news about about the platform in the past year. One is the continuous rise of TikTok, and the other one is the Twitter takeover by um, Elon Musk. How are news leaders planning to grapple with this rapid changing um, of and uncertainties in the social media, and where do they say they'll focus their resources on? Yeah, I think, I mean, it, it, it is uncertainty. Uh, and we're seeing, I think, a bit of an inflection point. So some people talking about the end of the era of big open social networks. Um, that may be going too far because, you know, lots of people are still using those networks. But we're certainly seeing a change. I mean, um, from a publisher point of view, they have seen that audiences are switching into these mobile uh, video-led networks like TikTok, uh, and uh, particularly younger people using Facebook less than they used to. Um, and so they're planning to put more effort into TikTok. Uh, that comes with a whole load of risks because TikTok, of course, is Chinese owned. There's worries about data security. There's worries about you know potential censorship of, of, of content. And that's going to be a whole nother story this year. So, uh, yes, publishers say they're going to put more effort into t TikTok and less effort into Facebook and also Twitter. Uh, Twitter's a whole nother story. It's been such a, you know, such a ride over the last few months since Elon Musk uh, took over. And I think this is the year when journalists really need to think about what they're going to do about Twitter. A lot of them said they're leaving. They don't like the way Elon Musk has sort of banned journalists and changed policies on the hoof. Where are they? Well, they're, they're, they, there is no alternative. I mean, Twitter actually, when you're under threat of losing something, you realize what it does for you. You complain about it every day, but actually what it it is the clearinghouse for news. It's an amazingly efficient way of keeping in touch with sources, of um, uh, being a clearinghouse for all the real-time news that's happening on other social networks. So it's, it's actually a really important tool for journalists. And when we ask people, you know, if it went, would it be good or bad for journalism? Most people say it would be bad for journalism because it's so much part of their workflows. If it went, um, interestingly, they say they'll go to LinkedIn. Over 40% say they go to LinkedIn. Uh, and I think that is going to be a trend to watch. You know, LinkedIn is increasingly, I've noticed it actually in the way in which we promote our content as well. It's becoming increasingly important. Most journalists and senior um, people are on LinkedIn, of course. It has, over the last few years, developed a lot more functionality uh 
uh, around news, around community. So I think LinkedIn is, is definitely the one to watch. It's also some of the new networks uh, like Post, for example, yeah. uh, which is trying to create more civil conversations. So I think out of what's happened, well, we're going to see change, right? And, and it will take many years for that change to happen. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, and we, we can hope that something better is going to come out of, of, of what's coming. Okay, let's hope so. <laughs> um, journalists can now, of course, be packaged and delivered in so many ways. And, you know, we've mentioned some of the platforms, but what are the main content formats that publishers plan to invest in um, this year? I think it's, well, in, in, in our survey for the last few years, podcast and audio has been the area that um, publishers say that they are investing in most. So over 70%, 72% say that they're going to put more effort into podcasts this year. 69% say they're going to put more effort into email newsletters. Uh, and it's kind of odd because those those formats have been around for decades. Not very new, yeah. It's not very new, but I think what, what's changed is that the importance of loyalty, the importance of relationships, the importance of finite media, and media with personality uh, and email newsletters increasingly you know they've stopped being automated they're about the relationship they're about really super serving niches uh, so they're doing something different from websites and publishers are finding that incredibly useful as a way of sort of uh, deepening that relationship with audiences which is critical particularly if you're in the subscription business and then podcasts kind of do the same you know just text alone doesn't really give you the time and the connection um uh, over time so so i think podcasts uh, but that caveat is that you know it's not necessarily about giving it away for free increasingly people are trying to bundle that exclusive podcast for subscribers in with a subscription offer and i think that's the kind of switch that we're seeing and interestingly in terms of formats that people say they're going to do less of this year um you know investments in things that are not quite here yet like the metaverse or voice applications they're, they're down in terms of the percentages who say that they're going to put effort into those things, which is not surprising in a recession. Is there anything of most innovative content formats on the horizon we should um, look out for? Um, I think a lot of the, we'll probably come on to this, I think a lot of the the sort of, well, yeah, I, th I think the innovation is really um I mean, there is innovation in podcasts, a lot of innovation in podcasts, actually, in terms of thinking about what kind of formats. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think that's the other really interesting thing. Podcasts have been around for ages and we've had daily news podcasts and we've had sort of true crime, but we're getting to fill in a lot of niches and really thinking about uh, much wider range and broader range of subjects around podcasts. So so I, I think there's sort of innovation there. But probably the biggest area of innovation in storytelling right now is in digital video, which is another area where people say they're going to put more effort this year. And that's really because of the creativity unleashed by TikTok um, and that sort of move to vertical video, short form vertical video and creators and influencers. Uh, we we did a report on this last year in December, which is on our website. Um, you know, just, I think, really changing the um the ways in which you can tell stories to explainers how to's in you know a minute or so with 
you know, really sharp storytelling, really informal storytelling, really creative use of visuals. And um, I think a lot of media companies are looking at that and saying, even if they're not going onto TikTok and say, can we use some of those techniques and bring it back? What into can we learn we from it? What can we learn from it? Exactly. Yeah. If we move on to reporting, there's a, there's a lot on the report to unpack. And so if we look at um, the, the part about reporting, um, the news media has, in some cases, been accused of not doing enough to cover the climate crisis, um, arguably probably the most important news story of our time. How are Newsroom making any steps to redress this? Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's patchy, but but I think um, I think in many newsrooms, we're going to see a step change this year. And, and, you know, a lot of that comes from the top, recognising that this is a lot of it comes from audiences, you know, recognizing that this is something that they they really care about. And I think there's also the sort of sense that the way we currently cover climate doesn't necessarily work terribly well within the news cycle, because it's not a story that um, uh, that is, you know, you, you cover it in a, you know, you have an extreme weather event here, extreme weather event there. The media is not necessarily be good at joining up those gaps but also relating it to other areas of coverage and this is something that people say they want to do something about this year so in our survey around a quarter say that they have now developed or are developing a climate strategy which is partly about how they cover it but it's also about training the whole newsroom to incorporate you know aspects of climate into you know business coverage and sports coverage um and it's also holistically looking at how media companies can reduce their carbon footprint and think about sustainability in, in journalism as well. So, uh, I mean, if you just take one example, the Washington Post, I think, increasing the number of staff, so tripling the number of staff, they, they're doing journalism that's around data to explain things really uh, clearly about what's happening, make it sort of easy to understand. They're doing more green consumerism to help people understand what they personally can do that sense of agency uh so I, I think it's it's really a package and and i think that's the change is people are, are looking at this in a much more holistic way of course um and uh you know as as well as being an incredibly relevant and important story um the climate emergency is also how sometimes part of um more harder stories for readers to to digest and in some cases it seems to be putting off people and engaging with news news avoidance we've seen it in the digital news report has become a rising concern for newsrooms what have leaders in this survey told you about how they plan to counter um, news avoidance? What are, what are they going to do about it? Right. I mean, I think the first thing before we get to how they counter it is, is they're, they're really worried about it. Um, you know, they've noticed in their own data around stories like climate that people, um, you know, they're not necessarily the most engaged readers. So it's really hard to get people's attention and keep people's attention around difficult stories that make people depressed, essentially. And um, what they're planning to do about it, we asked them, you know, gave them a, a list of, of of types of journalism, like, are they going to do more explanatory journalism to explain what's happening better? Most people are doing that. And I think COVID was a real sort of sea change in terms of people really adopting questions, uh, answering listeners' questions or viewers' questions or readers' questions in accessible format. So that's kind of, I think, baseline now. I think on top of that, solutions journalism, journalism that gives people a sense of agency, as we talked about, uh, some people talk about constructive journalism as well. 73% uh, said they're gonna be doing more of that, which is interesting. Um, and 
uh, more positive stories again there's much more skepticism about you know just just doing the positive stuff because you know people see it as a bit of a binary debate but I think it's really what that's about is providing more of a mix providing more inspirational stories around climate or Ukraine as well as obviously the hard-hitting difficult stories as well not shying away from those so it's really about the combination I think yeah and giving people agency or a sense of agency right um one of the probably most hyped innovations in of recent months was the launch of um, chat GPT and other generative AI um, for text and images. Um, you shared some examples that you created of yourself um, in the report. Um, you described this um, AI as both inspiring and frightening. Um, should journalists fear for the jobs? I know it's a, it's a bit of like, again, binary um, question, yeah. but like really to those who are scared, what do we say? I think the first thing is just to sort of engage and, and play. And I, I think we have to remember this is uh, 50 days old or something. Uh, ChatGPT was released only about 50 or 60 days ago. So we're still getting our heads around what this means. And I think what it, you know, the technology is not that new. We've we've had generative AI, you know, for, for some time now. But I think what it did was just enable us to play with it and to start to think about the possibilities. Uh, and, you know, just putting in text prompts and getting summarized information or uh, getting amazing art, you know, the cover of of the of the trends and predictions report was generated by um uh, by text prompts, for example, and is absolutely sensational. Uh, so, you know, the, the the possibilities, we're all terribly excited about them, but we're also starting to see that some of the generative stuff, uh, while it looks incredibly plausible, is also often wrong. Uh, so, so there's 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 definitely a downside. There's definitely concerns about how it's used. Um, there will be concerns about transparency and and all the rest of it. But um, it, there's no question that 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 this is going to be transformative. Automation is going to be transformative. And the, um, you know, I have a fairly optimistic view. Is there are a lot of things that journalists do right now, and people in media companies, that could be better done by technology and automation that would allow journalists to focus on the journalists Bring up the time right i mean chat gpt is great at, at sort of summarizing what's happened in the past but it can't report on something that's that hasn't happened yet or is about to happen so i think what exactly it means what journalists are great at. <laughs> which is what journalism should be focusing more on i think is uh is also the human nature of it and the trust so i think what this forces us to think about is what journalism should be which is about that connection about reporting what's happening right now about analyzing it in real time um and using ai to help with the contextual stuff and make that process quicker fantastic um i love this um finally you had to look if you had to look forward 12 months um so it's uh November next year, you're writing the next report. Um, what do you think will be the, best cha the biggest change in how newsrooms or journalists operate and how news is consumed? Uh, I think, well, I think this next year is going to, you know, a lot of change is incremental, and it go, but it also goes in steps. And I think we're about to see that, that, that kind of step. And I think the, you know, in some ways, it's a bit of a shakeout year partly because you know the economy forces us to really focus on what's important and I think many media companies are really going to struggle so we'll see quite a lot of consolidation and change I think uh in you know relatively quite a lot of of change in that and um I think potentially that's 
that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think a lot of the best innovations quite often come from difficult moments where you really have to focus on on what matters to you and and how that's going to work. And I think the um, I think the other sort of big story over the next year is just this uncertainty in the in in the social media and platform world because it's not just journalism that is affected by these layoffs and cuts and, and uncertainty. Uh, big tech is really having a bit of a crisis of identity as well. Uh, so that won't be solved by this time next year. But I think how that plays out, you know, how Twitter plays out, how the whole regulation issue over TikTok plays out this year, I think this is going to be a really important space to watch because it will sort of define, if you like, what's what what the the platform landscape is going to look like, uh, you know, potentially for the next five or six years. That's great. Thank you so much, uh, Nick, for joining us today. Pleasure. Our guest today was Nick Newman, Senior Research Associate at the Reuters Institute and author of our yearly trends and prediction report, which you can read on our website in full and in PDF. We've just unpacked some of the main topics, but there is a lot more to read. So um, I do uh, encourage you to go and, and read the full report. Make sure to follow our podcast channel on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so you don't miss the next episode. And if you don't want to miss any news from the Institute, subscribe to our weekly newsletter by clicking the link on our Twitter bio or on our homepage. Thank you for listening to The Future of Journalism. I'm Federica Cherubini. We'll be back soon.